the tech literacy is not very high so basically the problems that you face because of that is how do you make the users use your app how do you make them understand the value of the product as well right secondly even though you know whoever has the smartphones they are very low spec smartphones they have very small uh, storage space so literally as a platform we are kind of vying for real estate in their phone right so you are fighting with apps like facebook whatsapp uh, why would a farmer or a retailer want to install your app in lieu of those apps hello nilesh hey nia hi hi how are you i'm good i'm i'm very good always a pleasure talking to you great um i'm very happy that you're here thank you for uh, guesting in our second installment of work wonders it's just a little segment um where we talk about anything that we are working on at jiva and more importantly how we do it so um today you're going to share one um to our audience So thank you and welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having uh, okay. me. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, actually before we jump into the main thing, can you please introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your role here at Jima? Right. So, yeah, I'm Nilesh. Uh, I am actually a computer science engineer. Uh, so I started off working as a software developer in a firm called uh, Oracle uh, for Home, I was building systems, uh, but then I got bored and I did my MBA. I started working as a branch manager for Ola, uh, and I started managing their coffee business in Indonesia. So I was in Indonesia for about four years. Uh, loved the place, uh, but then I got bored again and I dipped my hands into an upcoming uh, digital platform that is now known as Jiva. So this was back in two thousand. when jiva was not called jiva and we were still figuring out what we want to do we were doing a lot of ground research experimenting with a bunch of things so that was the time when i uh, started working as a branch manager uh, in south sulawesi so basically i was based out of makassar and uh, worked there for about a year and a half set up uh, Uh, even a little bit part of East Java and these and stabilized uh, operations in South Sulawesi, and mm-hmm. after a year and a half, I moved into a more product focused role. So since then, I have been a product manager in Jiva. Uh, primarily, I've been responsible for two main domains. Uh, one is uh, inputs e-commerce. So basically, we sell uh, inputs directly to our farmers via multiple channels. and then i also handle all the internal user uh, tooling within jiva so all the internal teams sales uh, our field staff uh, finance staff whatever they use uh, and along with other functional things which are not really that important <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's that's what i do in jiva wow it's a million different things for sure like and yeah. i actually didn't know that you were like the first branch manager in south sulawesi that's fascinating because like right now it's like the most established like operational area in jiva because it was the first um yeah of course really... and the biggest yeah hopefully yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah good to hear about that so can you share one that you are currently working on now is that like the input e-commerce like can you talk a little bit about that 
Yeah. So inputs e-commerce, uh, as you said, is one of uh, the main things that I do at Jiva. And uh, within Jiva itself, uh, you know, input e-commerce has been at the forefront of the growth within the last two years, right? So if you want to see which one business or one function has grown a lot over the last one, one and a half years, it's basically the input e-commerce. And when we started off, uh, we were a product uh, to give uh, interest-free loans to a few farmers. And these loans were given in the form of agri-inputs. Uh, and since then, we have kind of pivoted into uh, a wholesaler of agri-inputs as well, which is kind of a, a you know big uh, uh, pivot from our initial model. And we still do have the same vision. We provide inputs, uh, good quality agri-inputs to our farmers. But now we do that via multiple channels. So we do that via our network of MCs and also via our uh, newly formed network of retailers whom we call crossers. Uh, when we started inputs about uh, two, two and a half years ago, we were doing a few hundred uh, dollars of input sales a month. Now we are doing about a million and a half USD per month. So we have definitely come a long way. We have a suite of products. So ultimately our you know end customer is a farmer, but the way we reach out to the farmer is in like multi different ways. Uh, and we try, we try, we try our best to sell as much possible directly to the farmers as we can. But then also uh, because the number of farmers is just so huge and uh, the digital literacy is not where we want it to be. So we also have to reach out to them via our network of retailers and MCs. And mm -hmm. we do that via their products, uh, which are uh, the micro collector app and the retailer app, which we call Jiva Grocer. Can you talk a bit more about Jiva Grocer? Like, why is it different with well, like, why is it different with other things that um, are on the ground right now? So Jiva Grocer is is kind of a is kind of an interesting uh, thing. It started as a very small pilot where we wanted to test out whether you know there are takers for our uh, retailer business model or not, mm -hmm. and. We started off as a very small pilot in the areas of South Sulawesi, where we started selling inputs through WhatsApp. So if you open WhatsApp business, there was a Jiva shop and there was a catalog. You had inputs, you had seeds, you had chemicals, and you could create a cart and you can place an order with Jiva. Uh, we had a huge success with that. Uh, it turned out that basically, uh, you know, the users actually place orders on phone, uh, on, on, on a call basically, or by meeting people and whatsapp was the next best thing for them so no touch uh, no no physical touch required you can just place an order and then get it confirmed so it was a huge success and that kind of drove us towards this path where we thought that hey uh, wait a minute this 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 thing might work right uh, so we started uh, building towards that somewhere along the way we realized that hey whatsapp is not really sustainable there are some uh, rules and regulations around using WhatsApp business. So maybe we need to uh, pivot to a platform which can be sustainable in the long run. And that's when we came up with this idea of Grosser that, hey, let's let's try to build an app and see how it goes. So we launched Chiba Grosser back in March 2021, uh, sorry, 23. So it's not been too long. It's been only seven, eight mm -hmm. months. Very young, yeah. Yeah. And we already have a huge network of retailers. We have really good adoption on the app. 
So those are very promising things, and we we hope Jiva Grocer continues to grow, and that is kind of becoming our main, uh, you know, model of uh, business and inputs. Great, yeah. So good to hear that adoption rate is high, because I've I talked to our CEO Ram for one of our podcast episodes. And um, one of the biggest challenge for agritech is actually low adoption, right? Due to the nature of farmers being on ground on rural areas where internet is not so good and smartphone um, penetration is not very big. And but he, uh, Ram talked about how we can leverage like low hanging fruits or what he called low tech. Like is Crosshair one of these low tech um, platforms? Like, can you? talk about that uh, yeah i would uh, see it as a low tech platform uh, mm-hmm. so consider something like a facebook lite uh, i don't know if you have come across that app but facebook lite is a very uh, toned down version of the full fledged facebook app right and it is specifically designed for uh, usage within uh, areas where there is very slow internet uh, penetra- connectivity or maybe low spec phone usage is there which is exactly our demography, right? If you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have always strived towards building a, a, you know, a platform that is very, very low tech. Uh, it's easy to understand, minimal, and along with that, we also kind of provide, uh, uh, you know, a physical touch. So we we internally call it a digital model, right? So uh, we we are not just a digital platform, but we also provide a physical touch. So it's physical plus digital which is digital like very innovatively named but uh, ultimately it's it's all about providing a physical touch to our end customers because they are not in the current ecosystem where a completely digital platform would work so yeah it's low tech plus an operational reach uh, to our customers yeah so what's the difference between building a low tech um platforms like did you have any experience in the past working on high-tech platforms targeted for more urban demographic with amazing connectivity and smartphone penetration like what makes the difference between making that and making platforms for low-tech users well i did have some experience uh, in the past uh, thankfully so uh, while i was doing my mba i was uh, involved in a very, very, for a very brief period, I was working on an e-commerce platform and I was responsible mm-hmm. for making it go live. Then even while I was working with Olam Indonesia, I was tasked with launching an e-commerce platform which still exists. And we used to, uh, we wanted to start uh, selling our wholesale products. So cashew, ground mm-hmm. coffee, cocoa powder, and so on. And both of these products are doing well. So there was a lot of uh, thought process that I had uh, spent. Uh, while building these products but uh you know the low tech that we are building for indonesia is absolutely different so one of the things is that you are working with a very different demography and as you have pointed out and ram has said before uh, there is very very uh low internet penetration the smartphone uh, availability is also on the lower uh lower side so basically you do not have a lot of options So for example, if I wanted to do a digital payment uh, application in my uh, product, I will have to jump through a lot of hoops. And even then I might not succeed because the regular infrastructure that is required to run it is not there. Uh, 
so we are kind of bound by a lot of uh, things when we are working on the low tech uh, infrastructure that we've just talked about and there are a bunch of challenges around that as well can you share a little bit about the challenges and like how did you and the team like come to um, figure out how like where the way around it so that gfi crosser is you know usable well, the biggest positive of working in jiva and in indonesia is that on a daily basis you get uh, you know so many challenges that uh, and you solve problems mm -hmm. that you probably have anticipated and you even have not heard of yeah but uh, yeah so i mean uh, starting off with the biggest challenge which is the tech literacy in rural indonesia so therein lies our prime demography and uh, the tech literacy is not very high so basically the problems that you face because of that is how do you make the users use your app how do you make them understand the value of the product as well right i mean you unless they use the app they won't really understand the value how do you explain to them the new features uh, secondly even though you know whoever has the smartphones they are very low spec smartphones they have very small uh, storage space so literally as a platform we are kind of vying for real estate in their phone right so you are fighting with apps like facebook whatsapp uh, why would a farmer or a retailer want to install your app in lieu of those apps and on top of that when you are releasing updates like it just makes distribution of the apps so much more difficult because every time there is an update the retailer is now in a you know fix should i delete this app or should i install this update because there are just maybe too many updates of this app right so those are the kind of things that we have to endure then specifically for indonesia and like this is true for a lot of countries in southeast asia there's so much contextual difference between one region to another right so for example mm -hmm. Uh, southern part of south sulawesi speaks a different language uh, completely compared to the central part so jeneponte has jeneponto has a different language compared to bone uh, jeneponto has even a different language compared to bantang which is the next uh, mm -hmm. district next so, to it yeah and i can give you a funny example so while we would we used to call our agri inputs as saprodi and uh, while we were doing some other user research we came across that while we were talking to them about about saprodi nobody really understood what saprodi meant and uh, saprodi is like the literal translation in bahasa of agri inputs uh, yeah and basically they just call it bibit and chemicals uh, they just call seeds mm -hmm. as and chemicals as rachun and basically the entire agri inputs is called as baran so uh, and we <laughs> had no we were continuing uh, on our design queues and we were working on so many things and we were always calling it saprodi So yeah, I mean, those are the other challenges as well. And finally, there's a lack of, uh, for a better word, a digital ecosystem in rural Indonesia, right? So, for example, I talked about, uh, you know, lack of digital payments. There is uh, the internet cost is relatively higher as compared to other countries in Southeast Asia. Uh, you also do not have a reliable three PL service that can, you know, do door to door delivery. uh so all of this kind of leads us back to that digital model that you know if there is a lack of these digital ecosystems so first of all you not only have to develop products that work either without it or you also have to develop infrastructure that go along with your product 
right so mm. in some parts we have worked with uh, you know local companies like telcom cell to provide free vouchers uh, give internet uh, coupons to our users just to be able to use our app right so those are the kind of things uh, that we work with and finally it's all about um, building relationships right so in rural uh, regions everything is relationship uh, nobody is going to trust you uh, because you are a foreign company and you started coming to their place and claiming that you will improve their likelihood, livelihoods that's not a selling point for them uh, mm-hmm. they will trust only if you build real relationships on the ground so that's basically what we are doing so those are you know some of the challenges that we face uh and you know we we have had a lot of solutions lot of uh, innovations that we have done just to overcome some of these solutions but yeah still, still a lot of work in progress great yeah so you can correct me if i'm wrong here but simplicity must be a really important thing in designing for the um low tech community so can you share an example of how the team find a balance between you know being innovative with the technology that we're using but also staying simple to make sure that our product is accessible and usable because of the challenges that you just mentioned before yeah important point uh and like really really uh, important for us because the mm-hmm. challenge that we uh on our hand is that the two transactions that we do on our apps which is inputs and offtakes uh mm-hmm. inputs is straightforward but offtakes is a complex transaction with multiple business models right uh and these are the transactions that uh your users actually depend on for their livelihoods so how do you make that as simple as possible and ensure that they get complete transparency and information that they require right how do you other things are how do you make uh, an app faster uh, in mm-hmm. low internet regions uh, for me the key to this is two folds firstly to have a very very minimal app uh, an app that just lets the user uh, do their transaction understand information that is presented to them and have complete transparency and along with that we use design cues that are less of text and more of images and be as interactive as possible so those are that is that is the first uh, you know key the second is along with the product operationally you have to be as innovative and ready to take risk as possible right so i'll give you an example of how we achieve this via product as well as operations so for for, for the farming community uh, you know one of the most important things is reliably and timely uh, getting the agri inputs during their planting season so if they are waiting for rains to start uh, planting you need to get them the seeds on time so that they don't miss that small window i spoke earlier about how we don't have a reliable 3pl partner so while i was working in south sulawesi we had no way of uh, routing our deliveries efficiently so that our you know delivery slas are within two or three days we always used to take about 9 to 10 days to reach our farmers so once the order is placed today they will get it after 10 or 11 days and we wanted to reduce that gap so that farmers can reliably get uh, all these orders so we started uh, running through some scenarios we started uh, running through some ideas and we landed on an idea where we uh, rented a few trucks and we started doing milk runs 
So we used to get orders from the farmers and then we used to tell them that, hey, today you are giving me the order on Tuesday or maybe day after. We will deliver all the input for this area. So that way we were able to, you know, kind of optimize uh, the delivery period and we were also kind of able to reduce our costs. Uh, compared to a regular delivery model with uh, 3PL, we had 0% returns and cancellations uh, as compared to 2% uh, before. So it, it worked like a charm, but obviously it was not sustainable. Mm -hmm. uh, another example is, uh, I, I think I gave you before, that we realized that retailers uh, are kind of uh, in habit of working on phone calls and they will not really use our apps. So we started giving them uh, WhatsApp-based uh, nudges. We started creating WhatsApp catalogs so that they can order seeds directly with us. So that was another thing that we started doing. Uh, and then there are a bunch of other products that I'm really proud of that my colleagues are building both on product and operational sides. So some of them are, uh, they are incentivizing digital payments. So now we have digital payments on our app. You can directly do online bank transfer. Uh, we have a crop doctor feature where you can take a photo of a plant with disease and uh, we can diagnose and suggest chemicals to use. All of these are really game changes for the farmers, uh, right? But uh, one thing that is super important for excelling in a rural demography is a way to ensure that there is some form of handholding when the user is just starting on the app, right? And on the MC side, uh, you must be aware, we have a huge training program, right? And we have a Jiva Academy app, which is a platform where users can learn how to use the app and get started on their own. So basically we don't let our users feel that they are left alone with an app that is overwhelming with options. Uh, and that's the trick here, that we give them some form of handholding, and then we have a quick feedback loop to understand what are the needs and wants and what's working and not working in the product. Great. Yeah, so a lot of, a lot of physical, actually, lot of to physical. You know, ensure, build the trust, probably, for farmers because they're not very used to, or they are, won't trust you, like trust an app without a face. So a lot of faces we have on the ground <laughs> to build this that's trust that's with them. Yeah, and that's that's important also right? because when you think about it, uh, maybe you can do a transaction on uh, Tokopedia, right, without mm. being a Tokopedia agent. And that's because you are much more tech savvy, you trust these platforms, uh, but compare yourself to a farmer who has never done an online transaction in life, and he's depending mm. on Jiva for his livelihood, and he has to make a digital transaction with us. That's supreme level of uh, difficulty that he has to, he or she has to overcome. Right. Right. Thank you so much. I think that is, those are all the questions that I have for you. Thank you so much for sharing. This will be really valuable for everyone who is going to uh, watch this video or listen to this podcast. Thank you so much.